0: Are you looking for a new website to place your bets? Well, I've got the perfect sportsbook for you to check out, topnotchodds.com. They offer dozens of betting options per game. And with live betting, well, they've got that covered too, offering literally hundreds of live bets every single game. Deposit with Bitcoin, MoneyGram, or credit card. And best of all, withdraw your money within hours of requesting a payout. So start winning money today, online at topnotchodds.com. This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it
1: before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgie What's going on, everybody? How we doing? Welcome to College Football Weekly once again. It is Tyler. Uh, Tyler Walgey to my left, as always. Professional better. Hello! I'm your host, Will Chambers. Uh, Tyler. Will. It's week 14. Week 14. This is the last. This is sad. This is the last regular season week of the season. The college football season just goes by so fast. That is. uh, It seems like it only seems like yesterday, Will. We were starting this show up. I know. It is sad. However, this is also the longest college football season ever because this was the first year they added the second bye. Every team got a second bye. Mm. So normally you only got 13 weeks. So we have 14 weeks of regular season and then we have championship week next week. And then we have bowl games, so it's not totally over yet, but it does make me a little sad knowing that uh, I'm not going to have so many Saturdays to just waste away on the couch all day. Yeah, it's it's wrapping up soon, and it's the best way to end
0: it with these rivalry games. A lot of good games coming up this weekend. Obviously, last weekend, a lot changing in the playoff landscape, but, man, I'm ready for some of these big rivalry games. Yeah,
1: rivalry week. This is a big one. we got a bunch rivalry of good ones. Rivalry week. And... Uh, Playoff rankings just came out, Tyler. Will you bring those up? Yes, sir, I'm on we it. We record always on Tuesdays. Playoff rankings just came out. I do know, I saw early that Ohio State jumped LSU after their win against Penn State. So they their uh, number one. It's about time. And Ohio
0: State number one, LSU number two, Clemson number three, Georgia number four, Alabama number five, Utah number six, Oklahoma seven, Minnesota Golden Gophers number eight, Baylor nine, and Penn State ten. Wow. Okay. So Oregon's out. Oregon is down number 14. They fell eight spots. Where is Michigan?
1: Just curious. Are they 11, 12? 13. 13. L- unlucky 13. Okay. Yeah, very. <laughs> that doesn't bode well for this weekend. Um, I
0: made a futures bet for all the listeners out there. This was last week on Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe even later in the week, Thursday yeah. or Friday. I made an Oregon bet to make the Final Four, and the very <laughs> next game, Oregon
1: goes down in flames. Yeah, you said that, that to me, fun. and I love the bet. When you sent it to me, I was like, hey, I like that. That's, yeah. that's a good bet, and uh, it sucks because, A, I mean, look, good for Herm Edwards. Uh, he's They were having a rough season, but I guess we should just expect that every year he's got a big game or two in him, an upset in him, and it was at home. Jaden Daniels played out of his mind. He's never – had a game like that in his starting career so far, and he threw it for 400 yards and, like, three touchdowns. It was insane. But to me, I hope I'm wrong. I think the whole Pac-12 is out because of that now because now Utah isn't beating, you know, everyone said, okay, the winner of the Pac-12 championship, but if Utah beats – even The if number Utah 14 beats, Oregon. Exactly. It's a two-loss Oregon team. I'm not sure Utah uh, can get there, Even I, even if they seem deserving – it sucks for them because, okay. you know, they, they beat Arizona. They did what they were asked well, to do. Well, let's
0: just go into the eyes of the market or the eyes of Las Vegas because when I made that bet, Oregon was plus 400 to make the playoffs. Utah was plus 280 at the same time. So I was – yeah, so I think that what they were assuming – that? I think what they were assuming was – Utah would beat Oregon? If Utah beats Oregon undefeated, that's a much better win ah, for, for Utah. See.
1: Even still, though, that's – It seemed pretty – Plus 280s, But that's
0: why I took Oregon because right. I thought there was value at 400. But still, the, they were telling you – Vegas was telling you that Oregon still had that shot. Why don't – in the next couple minutes, why don't I pull up Utah's current chances? Yeah. To see if it's changed Please at all. Please do. Um, because that's really interesting. I mean, if they do – Find a way to beat Oregon. It's not a very good win to end the season. And you go look at their schedule right now. I'm not sure what the best win would be. I know I know that they lost to USC but for they, Utah. They, yeah, they've only played one ranked team, quote
1: unquote, during the season. That was Arizona State. They beat them 21-3. Yeah, for sure. And look, I mean, they're hammering everybody they play, especially since that you know since that USC loss. None of their games have even been close, uh, and that's big, the thing: is you could say that Utah is
0: playing their best at the end of
1: the season. when For it matters sure, most. yeah. I mean, look, they just beat Arizona thirty-five-seven. Before that, it was UCLA forty-nine to three. Washington, they beat you know that. I guess that was the one close game. I was wrong there, but that was at Washington. That's a tough place to play on the road. They got the win. They beat Cal thirty-five to nothing. They beat Arizona State twenty-one-three. So you're right; they don't have like a great marquee victory, but they're taking care they're taking care of business. And it's a shame they had to lose that game at USC. Who, by the way, USC's playing well, too. USC, are they at seven or eight wins now? I think USC might... They're, be- they're ranked. I know that. They snuck into the top 25. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. I, here's the here's the dirty thing. And we're going to obviously get into a playoff discussion with all this. But even though I feel like Utah might be more deserving than some of the other teams that are... You know, let's just, let's just assume, for the sake of the argument, Utah it's not uh, up. I can't find the bet they it, beat they beat Col- it down okay well they beat Colorado which they, they probably will they probably will uh, they, they take care of Colorado then they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship and they are that would make them 12 and 1 Pac-12 champs are they uh, okay they, at that point I think they probably are more deserving than Alabama because they're conference champs they only have one loss It's to a good, you know, a solid USC team on the road. But what's a better loss, USC or LSU? Right. But then, I mean, this gets into that whole argument of, you know, deserving versus best team because I don't think Utah has a shot against whoever the number one team will be, which will likely be Ohio State or LSU. But And I think Bama has a better shot, but at the same time, I don't think anyone wants to see Bama. But it shouldn't be about what people want to see, and
0: I'm on the same page as you. I don't want to see Alabama. That's the last goddamn thing I want to see this year. It's another playoffs featuring Alabama. But it's the right thing to do. I mean, Alabama, if you give me—let me just ask you a question. Alabama-Utah play on a neutral field. How many games out of 100 does Utah win? (laughs)
1: Three,
0: <laughs> I, I would say well under 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I mean, and, and we both are, are, it's shame, are saying it's true. Alabama, we want them out, but but that's a good way to get the truth serum. And what the, what the what the truth serum provides is this is what the best thing for the sport should be. This is what the committee should do. No one likes Alabama. They're, they're there all the time, but there's a reason they're there all the time. And one loss to LSU, by the way, number two LSU, still undefeated, with the Heisman, by far the Heisman leading contender at quarterback, he's... Th- he's one to thirty, you have to pay thirty dollars to win a dollar to win on Joe Burrow. Now it's right. crazy. Yeah. So that was Alabama's loss. And you talk about some good wins. I know they don't have a very difficult schedule in terms of non-conference, so on and so forth. But they still have difficult teams they play in in the SEC. They've gone up against Texas A&M, uh, as I said, LSU. They're going to play uh, Auburn here coming up. But you know what's funny, Will, is usually when you talk about the SEC schedule. I think that it's much more difficult in a typical year than Alabama had this season. I truly believe that this is probably the easiest schedule Alabama's had in the last 10 years because of teams like Tennessee, they're down, Arkansas's down, Mississippi State's down, South Carolina's down. They don't play
1: Florida, they don't play Georgia. Exactly.
0: So this was a very easy year for Alabama. So when you look at pure dessert, like the resume for this season, I really think you could probably make an argument for Utah. I think it's probably pretty similar in terms of strength and schedule, but anyone who's watched any football this year probably knows Alabama would give us such a better game in the playoffs. Sure. Alabama-Ohio State would be such a better game. I don't even care if the backup is in, who's playing well lately, albeit yeah. against two 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 down teams, that would be such a better football game, in my opinion,
1: than Utah versus whoever number one is. Yeah, so. I'm with you, but selfishly, and I think a lot of people are, are saying this, and you did too, it's just that we don't, you know, we're tired of it. But it nice, it would be nice to not see Alabama in. And look, they still we're 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 uh, penciling them in to beat Auburn. It seems like I don't own a pencil. Actually, I'm gonna have to just You're get a new piece of paper. If okay, you, know. you like things written in ink? I do. Stamped, timestamp. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could lose to Auburn. I don't. I don't think it's very likely, but they could. Um, and then I mean, w- the craziest part is that everyone kind of has this fourth spot, and we're doing it, and a lot of people are doing it, and it's that we're already saying, oh, Alabama's probably got it. But, like, so much more chaos could happen. Let's say Alabama loses oh. to Auburn, and then let's say Oklahoma, you know, Utah loses to Oregon. Oh, yeah,
0: there's so many scenarios that can happen. We could happen.
1: end up, like, like, if Baylor beats Oklahoma, I kind of feel like Baylor at that point might have the better resume than even Utah if, if Baylor wins out.
0: Yeah, that loss that Baylor had a couple weeks ago to Texas, wasn't it? No, it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma, they, that's They right, had that's a huge right, lead, right.
1: and then they gave it up, and they would be able to avenge that loss. It would almost be like having you know somewhat of an undefeated season. L- look, there's a ton left to be decided, and I think that when we get down to breaking down this week's games,
0: we may see that uh, that I don't know where you're going to land on a couple of these games, but I think that we could see some stuff sha- shaken up this week. So I hope so. Shaken up, shook up.
1: Shook up. Shook up. Shake and not stir. I think they're both technically right. Okay, neither of us are English majors, uh-huh. which is probably obvious at this mm. point to the listeners. Oh, but yes, uh, yeah, I mean, there was some chaos even this weekend. Uh, you know, with with Penn State losing to Ohio State, with uh, you know, obviously Air, uh, Oregon losing to Arizona State, uh, Oklahoma almost lost TCU God, you could even man. say they could have they got really lucky with that fourth quarter or that fourth down spot Utah one hurt. of the worst spots I've ever seen
0: Oklahoma's slipping man I think what's happening with Oklahoma is the book is out the play the, the the blueprint is out they know how to stop this Oklahoma offense and they don't have a whole lot of other gears to go in with Jalen hurts a quarterback
1: yeah they're just too they they can't run the ball without him they're not handing the ball off and getting yards and he, he's great and Lincoln Riley has found a way to to create a system around him, you know, who's, he's not the ideal quarterback that Lincoln Riley wants. Who he wants is a Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray type, the type that can really sling it around. And, it, you know, I'm not trying to bash on Jalen Hurts here, but he's not quite as capable through the air as those guys were. However, his leg, you know, he's great with his legs, and uh, he's got more carries than anyone else on the team. And Mike Gundy came out and said it in his press conference, you know, before the game, obviously Oklahoma playing Oklahoma State this week, another rivalry game uh he said that, you know, it's a one man show. And I think a lot of Oklahoma fans and Oklahoma people are taking that as disrespect, like, Are you kidding me? We have CeeDee Lamb, we have all these other guys. But he's not wrong, right? I mean Uh, 90% of the offensive production is coming through Jalen Hurts. So if you can shut
0: him down, you can basically shut down their whole offense. No, totally. Even when CeeDee Lamb gets the ball, I'd rather take an elite, crafty, wide receiver beating me all day than the quarterback because the quarterback controls so much more. So you shut down Jalen Hurts. Let CeeDee do his thing. I totally agree with that statement.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, But, uh, yeah, it it, it was a good weekend. We had LSU took care of business against Arkansas. You know, Mm -hmm. not that that's hard hard to do. It's funny, even – even uh, Coach O after the game said, uh, he said, We're not going to celebrate this one because, because Arkansas hasn't beaten a lot of people. And I don't even think he was <laughs> saying it like as taking a shot at Arkansas. It was more like, We're not going to celebrate this big victory against a bad team. Everybody's beating Arkansas. They're having a down year. And so they're just strictly looking forward to uh, the SEC championship game at this point. Uh, and then Ohio State, Penn State, which was interesting because that game starts. Ohio State's up 21 nothing. Looks like they're about to blow them out. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State turning the ball over. They had three fumbles in the game. Well, that'll do it when you start turning the ball over. Yeah, and one of which was a fumble out of the back of the end zone, which became a touchback. So that's a seven-point swing right there.
0: If you win the turnover battle, you cover against the spread, not just win, against the spread almost 80%. It's like 77% of the time you're covering. So turnovers are so huge. I don't blame Ohio State for that. They're not going to repeat that this week. I think that was kind of a... anomaly if you ask me
1: and it shows i mean look they still won by 11 against a very good penn state team it shows that even on a bad day penn state's or ohio state is very very good yeah they had the three fumbles which gave penn state their only points penn state hadn't scored before those fumbles and then sean clifford gets hurt and the backup comes in and he actually gets most of the production for penn state uh running the ball it's kind of seemed like you know more like ohio state just wasn't ready to play that guy but they win 28 17 so that win over penn state jumps them up to number one over LSU, which is what everyone kind of expected, especially if they do it again against Michigan this week. They'll kind of be locked into that number one spot, which is really interesting because then, most likely we're going to get an LSU-Clemson first-round game, which is going to be insane. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is. It's going to be such a great game.
0: Clemson is the kind of coming out of nowhere no one's been talking about them they're looking better and better they're flying
1: under the radar that's going to be a really good game
0: and i mean look we still don't know who the fourth seed's going to be so whoever Ohio state ends up getting i'm excited for this year's
1: playoffs could be uh you know maybe georgia probably not because if georgia beats lsu my guess is they might even jump to three but georgia uh locks up their spot in the sec east they beat texas a&m who's a good team by the way texas a&m seven and four uh all four of their losses coming against top 25 teams. They're a very capable team, and they, they made it. Really, they made Georgia play hard. It was 19-13. Georgia doesn't cover, I believe. I believe that line was bigger than that. Um, A&M. Yeah, it was like 14, I think. To me, that team is going to be very good in another couple of years. You give Jimbo enough time to recruit and get the guys in there that Texas A&M hasn't had and didn't have under Kevin Sumlin. I think Texas A&M is going to be a force. Yeah, you know, I've always been a big Jimbo fan.
0: I think he's definitely going to turn things around there at uh, Texas A&M. It's just tough. I mean, such a tough division within the a- uh, SEC.
1: Yeah, for sure. Alabama, uh, Western Carolina, not fit to play yeah, Alabama. Sixty-six to three, with their backup quarterback Mac Jones. He he had three touchdowns, and I didn't know this until I su- I was watching the highlights because obviously I wasn't watching this game. There's no. You can't take anything away watching Alabama versus right. Western Carolina. But all of a sudden, I'm watching the highlights, and I see touchdown, Tungavailoa, and I was like, what? I saw that too. He's got a younger brother, who, and his name, I hope I'm not saying this wrong. Obviously, Tua being the older brother, the younger brother's name is taulia or Talia? Uh, no. Tungavailoa? Tawley? Something like that. T- tally. <laughs> Don't forget to bring a towel. <laughs> Uh tauli Tungavailoa. He throws a touchdown. He gets in. I want. I almost wonder how funny would it be if it would nothing would be more Alabama than if let's say Mac Jones gets hurt against Auburn and the and other then, and and, and, and the next tag of I, tongue of Iloa comes in. <laughs> how funny would it be if he comes in, lights things up, and then there's a controversy between two brothers about who's going to play next year? <laughs> that would be so Alabama. It'd be so funny. I was I, I saw the same thing and I was so confused. I thought maybe this
0: backup. Like put Tua's jersey on for like some like we're gonna pay tribute to Tua or something. I'm like, what the (laughs) hell is going on?
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. That was cool. Uh, Arizona State, Oregon. We talked about that, but to me, it was just crazy that Arizona State, who they just they 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 I we said it in the in the breakdown. We thought or that spread was 14 points. We I thought Oregon would cover it. They needed to make a statement. Herm comes out with a great game plan. Jaden Daniels. 400 yards, three touchdowns. I'm not sure he had thrown for 400 yards in the previous two games combined. Probably not.
0: Well, right, and it's what about Arizona State was doing recently? They weren't playing very good football, especially defensively, and at home they'd given up some points. So I thought that it was really primed for Oregon
1: to get in there and get the win, and didn't yeah. happen. Well, now they're bowling. They're six and five. Oh, still good. just three really five in the them. pack. <laughs> What's the? Uh, yeah, they're going to get seven. To seven and a- and they're going to get to seven, but that still won't make my yeah. overhead bummer. <laughs> So you'll still hit on that. Uh, Utah took care of Arizona. Minnesota took care of Northwestern. Wisconsin took care of Purdue, which sets up now that Minnesota-Wisconsin game will decide the Big Ten West. So that's a big one. Uh, Michigan, my team, they beat Indiana on the road. Pretty good. Shea Patterson had five touchdowns. They're uh, they're looking good ahead of this matchup with Ohio State. We'll get into that later, but boy, Michigan looking hot. Here's the. <laughs> this was one of my favorite things. Baylor, Texas. So, Baylor dismantles Texas. Uh, Texas only got a touchdown late in the game. It was pretty much out of hand early. Uh, uh, I had that one, thankfully. I had Baylor, but Tom Herman, did you see, Tyler, what Tom Herman did in the pregame? No. Oh, boy. Uh, You know, if anyone is listening, if you haven't seen it, go just YouTube Tom Herman. You know, you could type Tom Herman smashing head because... He, you know, he wanted to amp his players up before the game. Tom Herman, mind you, a guy who has told the world that uh, he's a Mensa member, that his, you know, his IQ score was high enough that it puts him like in the top one percent of everyone in the world. So he's a, you know, there's a term for that. It's the Mensa club. When you have a suit, I think it's like if you have an IQ above 125. So apparently he's a very smart guy, right? So smart that he decides to in the pregame huddle go up to one of his players. Grab him by the face mask and smash his head on the guy's helmet oh my God. three times to be like, this is how amped up I am. I'm so tough. He literally grabbed. It's so funny that you know we're everyone is killing Miles Garrett in the NFL for <laughs> hitting a guy with his helmet, which rightfully so because that can cause so much damage. Tom Herman head butted a guy with a helmet on <laughs> very hard. He really puts put it into it three times, and it was funny because some of the guys in the huddle were like. Yeah, and getting amped up, and then you could see other guys on his team, his players, being like, "What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> what is he doing? How many IQ points did he just lose? Smashing his—it's like it's like going up and smashing your head on a brick wall, and he did it three times." Well, what are you doing, Tom? What Berman? is he doing? What I wish I so, don't I'm gonna know. have to look that up. Because yeah, that's, you should. Yeah. You should look it up. Like <laughs> on, uh, I'll I'll talk about it. Bring it up because you should just look at. It. We should hear Tyler's reaction. It was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. Helmets are very hard. If you didn't know, there's a reason why people put them on. It's to protect your head from things like that. And he went ahead and smashed his face on one three times, and uh, all you know to get his players pumped up to win fuck to score ten points and lose to Baylor. Let's see here. Really brutal. Uh, But next up, Auburn. They took care of Sanford. Sanford's a bad team. Notre Dame, Boston College. Notre Dame scored a ton of points. They're looking good. Uh, let's see here. Did you bring it up yet? Tyler? I'm waiting on a ad for Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. Oh, you are a mac and cheese guy. Maybe you could tell them your secret that you told all of no, us. No, that's a only few weeks for our ago. listeners. That is exclusive for the <laughs> College Bowl Weekly audience. Very exclusive. Yes. yes. Uh, USC UCLA. That was their big rivalry game. The battle for Los Angeles. USC scores 52 points. Uh, Keaton Slovis 500 yards, four touchdowns. He's insane. USC, it's really a shame because Clay Helton, I don't think he's going to be there next year most likely. Yeah, I don't either. But even still, USC's playing inspired. They're scoring a ton of points. Their offense is insane. Are you bringing it up? Yeah, Yeah. I have it up right now. Oh, boy. He's watching this live. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God, and he goes in for a third smash. <laughs> a third
1: one, and it's hard, right? He's going
0: to knock himself out. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't. I've seen so many different instances over the years where coaches get so amped up and they take it over the line. It's usually like the weight coach or the strength yeah, coach which is or like, someone okay. like that. Yeah, yeah and they go
1: not the head coach. Not the head coach, not Hermie, and <sighs> not when they're uh, underdogs against Baylor. I know, yeah, ridiculous. Um, did you have any other notes from... Week thirteen, Tyler. I don't have the many notes. Will. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention it. This one's big. Miami, Miami loses to FIU, Florida International. Oh God, this is so bad on so many levels. So Manny Diaz, obviously, that the the train is off the, off the rails in Miami. They're having a horrible year. They're six and five. Everyone thought they might be a really good team in the ACC this year. They lose to FIU, and the best part is that FIU's head coach is is uh, Butch Davis. Who is a former uh. Miami head coach <laughs> who got fired. Yeah. And now he comes back and beats Miami at FIU. That's great. We're gonna get to uh ass is a fire later for the hot seat uh, segment for coaches and I'm putting him firmly on it. That's a it's just one you cannot lose. Oh, uh, you can't lose that. Tennessee also. Tennessee beats Missouri. Tennessee who started one and three. Yeah. They're now six and five. They're yeah. bowling. Jeremy Pruitt maybe turning things around. They're four and three in the SEC. I didn't see that coming. That's a I big didn't one. either. Missouri I thought had put things together this year. They were clicking, looking so much
0: better, but didn't show up last week. Yeah, five and six for yeah. Missouri. That's yeah. that's tough. Um, A so lot of expectations, too, before the season.
1: That's all I got for week 13. So, Tyler... So, Will. Time for some Asses of Fire. All right. Uh, hi. I want six tickets to Asses of Fire. All right. So, I've got four coaches' names here that I want to talk about. Okay. I think the the top of the list right now is Tom Herman. You know, I mentioned that he's cracking skulls, which is a stupid move in general, but the fact is that Texas is, uh, are they now, I think they're, they're either six and five. I think they're six and five. Uh, that's, that's a horrible loss for them. Hang on. I'm pulling it up, uh, right now. Texas is, should we have a race for it? My Computer gosh, race? Oh, I was just looking six at it. Six and five. Six and five. You, you won. I beat you, Will. Six and five. And last year, poor uh, poor Sam Ellinger, after beating Georgia in the bowl game, in the New Year's Six Bowl game, said, Texas Longhorns, we're back. <laughs> and now they're six and five. And they played really really well against LSU. And I will, you know, look, they had a ton of injuries on defense, and that definitely had an effect. But now he's lost the locker room. And I don't know how, how like I really wonder what it's like in Austin right now, how they're, how they're feeling about Tom Herman, the athletic department, because there's other coaches out there you could go after. If Texas were to throw everything at PJ Fleck or Matt Rule, I think that's a better option than Tom Herman. Yeah, I do too. Tom Herman's more of what
0: has been working in the past in college football. I think there's a new wave of, of coaches that are coming. Um, I, I think his time is running short at Texas. Have you heard of is texas dot com? No 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 you haven't heard of that no ESPN, sounds awesome yeah ESPN did a special on it earlier this year and what it is is type it in right now it's called is texas dot com and if Texas is back, there's usually a huge, uh, thing in the background, there's a huge, like, it's fireworks, it's Texas players, it's Vince Young scrolling, <laughs> and it's always like... I mean,
1: do you know what it is right yeah, now? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's always, Texas is back, Texas is back,
1: and a couple weeks ago it changed. Let everyone know what it says right now. All right, image. so I just opened it up. It's just a, a blank page with the burnt orange background and three letters... In the middle of the screen, just says, Ug. UGH. <laughs> U-G-H. Isn't ugh. that great? Ugh. Texas is not bad. So I'm guessing not these are Texas fans. It's a made it? hardcore Texas fan who made it. Oh, man. And he changed the whole website to just, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's brutal. I know how that dude feels. Yep. As a Michigan fan, I had a lot of, I felt like, oh, Rich Rod's going to bring us back. Oh, Brady Hook's going to bring us back. I know this feeling they have. And I hope, look, college football is a better, it's better when, Teams like Texas and Tennessee and, and Nebraska are playing better, and so I'd like to see that for them. I don't know if Tom Herman is the guy for that. And to be honest, I thought he was. And what's really crazy to think about is that he had his choice between Texas and LSU, reportedly, when he left Houston. There were a lot of people saying he might go to LSU and that he chose Texas over LSU. Think about how much things change. If he's the head coach instead of Coach O at LSU, they probably don't have Joe Burrow. They definitely have don't have Joe Brady. They're not number two in the country right now. LSU isn't. Things could be so different. Yeah, all it be takes going, is one little decision.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering right now about Tom Herman, and it's it, you don't want to be too reactive because of one season. But right now, this is not good at all. What's happening this year with Texas?
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, maybe he'll just be on the hot seat next year. But I think he, I think there's a real chance he could be fired depending on who becomes available. Manny Diaz, right up there. I mentioned him before. Miami having a terrible year. It's just his first year, so maybe they'll give him more time. But yeah, to he me, gets it's another like, year. Okay, fair enough. What about Clay Helton? I mean, we both kind of feel like he's maybe not deserving to be fired, but just probably will be. He needs to be
0: up there. I, so, what I did to look for this segment is I went to CoachesHotSeat.com, and it's kind of a cool <laughs> website that uh, all updates like to the minute who these people who ever run the CoachesHotSeat.com think. On the coaches, Not hot the same seat. guy as who runs as Texas <laughs> <Tucker>. <laughs> Maybe, because Tom Herman's number one on here. But uh, on CoachesHotSeat.com, which is a live update. It even has like a ticker at the top. Clay Helton is number 22 on the hot seat. They have coaches like uh, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern ahead of him. Oh, uh, they have Dana Holgerson of Houston, Scott Frost of Nebraska ahead of him. That's uh, Will Muschamp at South
1: Carolina. Uh, I don't trust this website at yeah, all.
0: Yeah, right? Maybe I should have found multiple
1: sources. Pat Fitzgerald's one of those guys. I mean, he's an alum. He's probably got. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he's not on that. He hot had seat. three straight ten-win seasons before this year. There's yeah. no way he's no, on. No, that, that, that's ridiculous. That's, yeah, that site I think is completely garbage. To, I think, if you're if you're out there, whoever's running that site, we very strongly disapprove. Come Clay, on the
0: show, debate us. I think Clay Helton should be uh, top five. Absolutely, that dude's gone this year. They're gonna start over, hit the reset button. He's he's done. They're gonna
1: get Tom Herman or Bob Stoops. That's what I think. Hermy. <laughs> You and your Hermie. And then the other guy I've got on here is Mark D'Antonio. So Michigan State finally gets a win against Rutgers, twenty seven nothing, but Mark D'Antonio has lost it in Michigan State. Their recruiting has fallen off. If you look at their live recruiting rankings for next year, they're not even in like the top sixty. I mean, it's really bad. And I just don't see a way that that Mark Dantonio can get things turned around at Michigan State to where he had them before. It's bad right
0: now at Michigan State. They need a they need a change of culture. It's time to move on. It's time to get a new coach. I think that happens this year. He's number 7 on this list. It's funny on this website there for all these coaches. They have a picture of each coach under the ranking. And they just get the worst pictures of all the cut. Co- oh, of course, they all look so they, can't, they con- they're can't like look all happy, confused, looking up at the scoreboard, like trying to figure out some late game strategy thing.
1: Yeah, but the thing about Mark Dantonio is that he always has a grimace. Like that dude almost never smiles, even when he's winning. Sometimes he looks like he's he looks like he's about to throw up at he, all times. He, he looks like he, he he has a permanent look like he just drank a glass of expired milk. Oh yeah, And know? he's just like <sighs> just right after you set the glass down. Yeah. And someone just like, like, you know, punctured his tires and he knows he's going to go home and his wife's going to yell at him. He has that look on his face where he's just like, ugh. Yeah. It's all, it's constant. Do you have anyone else on your list? I'm interested to know. Uh,
0: Barry Odom of Missouri, because I think oh. that Barry Odom, if you look at all the coaches right now in the SEC, he looks like the by far the least prepared to handle what they deal with in the SEC. And I think we can both agree the SEC has had a bit of a down year. So this is the one year where you don't want to be looking that bad in, in very average, mediocre games in Missouri with a 6-5 and five record this year, drastically, underperform, drastically underperforming. They had so much talent bringing Kelly Bryant over, a lot of the offensive line coming back from last year. I think Barry Odom... Uh, if he doesn't get fired this year, next year he's going to be
1: certainly uh, one of the coaches on the hot seat. So one guy I don't have on the list who I did earlier in the year Gus but, on. Uh That too, yes. I wasn't thinking about that, but I was thinking Jim Harbaugh, and I'm wondering what. But here's an the outsider's Jim, view is. But with Jim Harbaugh, an outs as an outsider, like let's just say, let's assume Ohio State beats Michigan on Saturday. Then tell me what you're thinking. He's now 0 and 5 so much, against Ohio State. It's not,
0: he, he, here's the th- Michigan's different. Michigan's one of a, f- a few schools in the country where what's happening nationally doesn't matter because it's so much about the fan base. Like your, Michigan's fan base is so loyal and so vocal and so yeah. high. They're demanding. They, they're demanding. They have the bar set high that it, they're one of the few schools that. Outside pressure doesn't matter. Everyone from ESPN to Fox News to all the Pac-12 outlets to the SEC outlets could be shitting on Harbaugh, and if Michigan alumni backs him, he's fine. And what I've been seeing on social media the last couple weeks is that the, media, or the the Michigan alumni is really taking a different stance. They're looking at this team as changing, improving, looking much better week to week, and it looks like Jim Harbaugh has gotten an extra lifeline this year because they flipped the switch midseason and looked so much better. So I think that it's one of the few schools in the country where the outside noise doesn't matter at all. It's just about the Michigan fan base. Look, if, Alabama, if, if Nick Saban starts getting... All this negative publicity on, on, on ESPN and across the country. Alabama seems to me to be a quicker school to want to change things. Now now that's a, a different example because I don't know if anyone can even picture Alabama being there right now. Right. But my point is there's some schools where they don't really do that. And there's some where it's, hey, it's all about the fan base, all about the alumni. Michigan just has that feel to me where because the fans are happy, I think he's got another couple years at least for sure.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I was talking with a guy, a buddy of mine at work today uh, who's an Ohio State fan. Uh, he's from Ohio and he was saying, if Ohio State, let's say they beat the shit out of Michigan, similar to last year, they beat them by you know twenty points or more. Uh, he, he's like they got to fire him, right? And I was and I, I it's interesting because Michigan is in a funny place. They how you almost everyone is judged Harbaugh strictly off of the rivalry games. the rivalry games, and he's turned it around against everyone except Ohio State, right? He's now uh, two and two against and or he's now 3 and 2 in his 5 years against Michigan State. He's f- uh 1 and 1 in his 2 games against Notre Dame. He is uh 4 and 2 or excuse me 3 and 2 against Penn State as well, right? Those are the big ones besides Ohio State. And obviously now he's owned 4 Possibly but, but, 0-5. But, but Will,
0: here's the thing. is is The narrative keeps changing. All the Harbaugh haters, well, can't win the rivalry games, can't win the and then he wins rivalry games, and yeah. it's, well, so what? He's still he still can't camping, beat Ohio State. And, and right. it just keeps... It's a moving target. Right. But, you, what is he, 0-4 against Ohio State?
1: Yeah, and I get it. like the, the It's an interesting way to judge him because... I think it's kind of kinda of bullshit. Because, I do too.
0: Yeah, because I, I mean I talk all the time about how what I do in my job, it's so much about sample size and data, and you need a good amount of sample size to really find out how good teams or players so on and so forth are. Four games is nothing. And let's play a quick game. How many of the last four games, if you had a generic robot head coach right. who who makes the same decisions, and they're coaching both Ohio State and Michigan for the last four games, how many games is Michigan going to win? They don't have the more talented team. Right. The last couple of years, Michigan hasn't had the more talented team. Now, you could blame Harbaugh for that, but I think it takes a much longer time to establish getting those guys. Sure, Because let's face it, as a head coach or as a program, you're not really targeting high school seniors. You're targeting kids in middle school, because that's where they start to make their mind up about where they want to go, the big athletes. Right. So you're going after younger and younger kids. It takes a long time to get what Ohio State has established for decades.
1: Yeah, So and they had a head start, right? Uh, Urban oh, Meyer had been there start. for three years oh, before. And before, Jim before, Trestle, before and, exactly. and you look
0: at the history that they have, so for to judge him on four games against Ohio State, where I think in all four games he probably had the inferior team is ridiculous to me. He's one of the best coaches still in the country. I think He's showing he's willing to adapt this season. Yeah. So the whole idea of Harbaugh
1: being on the hot seat to me is is ridiculous. Okay, but even still, so you're right. It's it's you're talking A, you're talking about probably a seven to ten year run in Ohio State's history that might be the best in their entire football history, which, which is, is a saying good history. something. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, that's really saying something. And even still, so Harbaugh's had four games against them. Uh two of them have been blowouts. The first year was a absolute blowout, which was expected. Ohio State had won the national championship the year before. Michigan was five and seven the year before, right? right? The second year, Harbaugh goes into Columbus and almost, wins, wins. almost. I mean, them. that was it, it was an overtime game. It was so close. Was not the spot. Yes, that was the spot exactly. I mean, we're talking about inches possibly deciding the outcome for Big Ten uh, for the Big Ten right there. The next year, they go to the Big House, and Michigan has is on their. Their uh, their backup quarterback, John O'Korn, who was very bad. He was terrible. John O'Korn? Yep. Wilton Spade had been, had been injured early in the year. John O'Korn was terrible. And they still had a lead in the second half. I think they might have even had a lead in the fourth quarter. Ohio State came back. They ended up winning by 10 or 11, but with two minutes to go, it was a four-point game. I mean, it was really close. And Michigan had the ball with two minutes with a chance. To, and John O'Korn, of course, threw an interception, right? So, he's been very close two years. Then last year, they kicked the shit out of michigan i mean it was it was a it was over it was te- it was technically a 9 point game at halftime but it didn't feel like it was going to be close second half ohio state just pulls away absolutely dominates them so you're right in that we can't i think it's unfair to judge him off that however where do you how many cuz now it's a new coach right ryan day is there and he's taken over a a, a program that's in you know near perfect shape shape how it's also hard if Harbaugh loses this game, he's now 0-5. When where does that when do you rein the leash back? Right. I mean, it, it I get it that you don't want to just get rid of this guy. He's winning nine and ten games, and it's a dangerous thing when you fire a coach that wins nine and ten games but can't win the big one. Teams have done that and then suffered afterwards because of that Tennessee did that with Philip Fulmer, Nebraska did it with Bo Pelini, Michigan did it with uh with Lloyd Carr, and things can go bad after that. But at the same time. It's tough when you know uh when you know that they can't beat the their rival. I mean if he ends up 0 and 5, maybe he's on the hot seat next year maybe. And then if he the next year it's the games in Columbus, he's probably not expected to win that. He could go it, it might it might take him until his seventh year to win this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it will take a long time, but still, that just because of that, I don't think – if it gets to year 8, 9, 10, and they're still not getting over the hump, I, I think that's say, one thing.
1: eight or nine years, you know, I without mean, beating Ohio know, State, that, that, that's just a long time.
0: It's But I, if you look at the Michigan team he took over, they are getting better. I know they've had some setbacks. The expectations are way too high every single year in Ann Arbor. Yeah. And so that's part I of
1: agree. it. I agree, yeah. I mean, a lot of Michigan fans are delusional and they expect Michigan to be competing every for year, national champions. Yeah. It's like – Man, this isn't 1942 anymore. Michigan's not that, you know. If you want to say, I mean, this might be kind of near Michigan's, maybe not their peak, but what the the best you can kind of expect them at, on an average nine or ten games, and you know, kind of yeah. in the discussion, they've they flirted yes. with the playoff
0: every couple years. They'll be there in the in, a, in the discussion, but to think every year they you know are starting on Alabama's level is a little bit over optimistic.
1: I agree. Yeah, we'll see, man. If if Harbaugh could get it done this this uh, this year it would be huge. I mean, it would it would solidify all of that. And the other interesting thing is that Ryan Day's taking over a great program. Everyone thinks he's great now, but can he sustain that? Well, Ohio State be is good in two or three years under Ryan Day right. as they were with right. Ar- or with uh Urban Meyer for I don't think six or seven so. But years. we'll see. I'm the yeah. one who is calling him Ryan Knight to start the season. <laughs> so right now, I want to know who who predict the playoffs. Who do you think is going to get that fourth spot right now? So, let's just say Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson are 1-2-3. Right now, who are you putting in fourth? Right, give me a second here. Make sure I'm getting the right teams. So, obviously, Georgia's the fourth right now, and then you got Alabama at five. You think Alabama's getting in, don't you? I can see it all over your face. I don't. No? No. Utah. Okay, so Utah wins out, yeah, and you think they, they leap Alabama in championship week while Alabama sits idle. I do. Oh, man. I hope I hope you're right. I would love to see a, a team from the Pac-12, a team like Utah in there. Or will. Utah versus Ohio State would down be great. Next week's games, so you don't know what
0: I think is going to happen to the Crimson Tide next week.
1: Oh, boy. Uh-oh. I smell a bet uh-oh, board. Uh-oh, oh, <laughs> oh, boy. No, Utah versus Ohio State, one versus four, would be very interesting. I don't think Utah, you know – would have a great chance at winning that. But it'd, it'd be the battle of Urban's X. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Urban's is going at it. I wonder who he would root for at that point. Probably uh, I've got to go the Mormons, man, the nicer fan base. That's true. But then again, they call it the Holy War for a reason. Not everyone that goes to Utah is Mormon. Some of the non-Mormons go there because they don't want to go to BYU. Oh, is that how it goes? Yeah, although their head coach is Mormon. Uh, He'd probably go for a State, yeah, probably. He's he's a slimy, skeezy, whore-ish of a man. I'm so sick of him doing Fox calls before Michigan games. Like when <laughs> when he did the the Michigan. Hey, Michigan Irv, State you want to come shit on Michigan yeah, for five so minutes, I know the, 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 so the Fox mad. Big Noon Kickoff Show is in Ann Arbor this week because game day is in Minneapolis Ooh. for the Wisconsin Minnesota game. <laughs> so Urban is going to get booed by all the Michigan fans horrifically. It's going to be hilarious to see. Yeah, that's what he's going to hear a lot of. I wouldn't be super disappointed if someone threw like a, you know, a, a milkshake at him. Maybe not a milkshake. Something that I know can't really no. hurt him. Oh, they, maybe. They, but what a milkshake is not gonna hurt if him. If it's a full milkshake in the cup, that's kind of heavy. How oh, I got one pie, pie in the face. Okay, that's that's more old comical. <laughs> I was thinking like Slaps a uh, like a salted pretzel with some nacho cheese on it, and then that way you get that maize yellow all over a stupid red tie, which I'll definitely be wearing. Like, he, he mm-hmm. loves to take jabs. When when Michigan played Michigan State, it was a Fox game, and he did the preview or the, the lead-up to it, you know, in the studio, and he wore a green tie. Yeah. It's like, it's like, we all know what you're doing, Urban. You're He's taking <laughs> subtle jabs. He's a troll. I wanted him to take over the USC job just to get away from my broadcast. I'm so fucking sick of him. I, I can't
0: stand the guy. I don't want to see him. And you know what Will's always saying to Urban when he's talking about Michigan on TV.
1: You know, that's just like uh... – your opinion man
0: <laughs> I love that
1: quote I love Big Lebowski <laughs> well,
0: yeah good. man he, he, they, they shouldn't allow him to get on and shit on Michigan this week but you know what Will it's great television exactly what he's gonna do yep yep That's exactly what he's gonna do they, yep, yep,
1: exactly yeah. he's gonna hopefully do, uh, Charles Woodson will be there and he can smack him around a little bit I, or I Charles wonder. Barkley maybe he'll show up I love Charles Barkley I mm. wish he'd do college football he's mm. great he's great at everything he does Thanks, as always, to Wise Money Sports, show sponsor. Wise Money Sports is cool because you can go on there. You can see all the picks that the uh, professional betters put on there, different sports, football, hockey's going Six on and one now. this weekend. Six and one on the crazy? weekend. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, so
0: between the last two weeks,
1: 15, six, and two. That's some serious cash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and obviously... You know th- they they know that uh, that's a rate that can't necessarily be kept up over a long time. But even still, you know all, all the bets are tracked. You can go on there, you can see how they've done over the length of time. So it's not bullshit. A lot of you know you can find a lot of bullshit people out there on Twitter giving out picks that, that don't uh, track them properly and their numbers are skewed. Everything is tracked by a third a uh, third party source from Wise Money. Six and one on the weekend. That's serious cash. You can bet different sports. You can pay for a sports betting broker that will help you out with your picks. So go and check them out online at wisemoneysports.com and on Twitter at WisemoneySports. All right, Tyler, week 14, Rivalry Week. It's rivalry upon us. Week, yes it Let's is, Let's get will. into some games. Well, you, know, you know what they say about Rivalry Week.
0: Last game of the year, Brent. Can't hold anything back now.
1: <laughs> Let's do it. What is that from? That's from. uh <laughs> I can't. I can't. Believe I'm forgetting this. Is that from? uh It's from Waterboy. Yeah, and he keeps saying it. That's right. <laughs> <Last game laughs> over of the year, and can't over. I think back now. Uh First game up. Virginia Tech going on the road at Virginia. I think
0: we're gonna have some bets this week. Because I hope so. What I've started to do through the season, and you do this. I recommend doing this if you're in any big in any big contests, pick 'em pools. Throughout the year, it's important to win games and stay at the top of of whatever pool you're in. You want to be in the conversation at the end of the year to win these tournaments that that you participate in. But it's important that you not only win games at the end of the season for certain contests, but you start to profile your opponents, see what they would pick, see what what games they choose. Will, I've started to kind of get a feel for your picking style, and it's funny because... On the show. Winning is
1: what you mean. Oh, the there we go. Style. It's
0: funny because, well, uh, maybe not as good with the individual games. We'll see how many bets we do have today. I think I'll be on the opposite side of a lot of these games you have. But it's funny. What you do a lot of the time during your handicaps on the show is you'll give this great, overwhelming handicap for one side, and you'll go, but. And then you'll talk not about not what so you're fast, <laughs> so fast, my friend. I grew up watching or <laughs> <Lee> Corso. <laughs> and then you'll take out the other team. So I've got you there. But we'll see. I think Maybe we may I'll have throw one starting a double here. Curveball. I think you might a curveball. The curveball starting here.
1: I think we may have our first bet of the weekend. Let's see where you go. Okay, fair enough. So I don't know if this rival. Will you look up and see if this rivalry has a name? A lot of rivalries have names. Virginia sure. Tech versus Virginia, in-state rivals. So Virginia Tech going on the road. This game is in Charlottesville, and the Hokies are three-point favorites on the road. Both teams eight and three. They're both five and two in the conference, which means the winner of this game will represent the Coastal Division for the ACC, and face Clemson in the ACC championship game. Uh, weather's calling for uh, low temperatures and rain showers, by the way. So take that as you will. Uh, do, do you want to know the name of it? Yes. It's
0: very complicated name. It's called <laughs> okay. the Virginia-Virginia Tech Football Rivalry. Oh, wow. Yeah. How,
1: how creative. I know. You know what? They come up with so many great names these days. A lot of creative thinkers out there. All right. <laughs> the Virginia rivalry, the battle for Virginia We'll just make it up right now uh, Oh, wait, 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 wait the, So the trophy
0: they play for is called the Commonwealth Cup So okay, maybe it's there like we go. yeah for the Commonwealth, for State, the Commonwealth right? Cup yeah. Yes, I believe so
1: Virginia, one of the original 13 colonies For all you history buffs out Hey-o! there <laughs> uh, This is all about Hendon Hooker for me Hendon Hooker, he's taken over the reins Of this Hokies offense since October When Justin Fuente benched Ryan Willis And you can just look at their games since the Miami game when Hooker fully took over the job. In the seven games since Hooker took over for Willis, the Hokies are averaging 35 points per game. Their only poor showing on offense came in a 20-point performance on the road at Notre Dame, a very tough team, which by the way, they only lost that game by one point. This Hokies team has been improving week by week. And in the month of November, the defense has really figured it out. Uh, Virginia Tech for so long. Uh, They made their team identity on defense and special teams. That was always what they were for decades and decades. The whole beamer ball thing and the special team scores. In the last few years, the defense hasn't been up to par. But this being Bud Foster's last year. So Bud Foster, he's the longest tenured assistant coach in college football. He's been the defensive coordinator in Blacksburg for the Hokies now since 1995. And he announced his retirement before the season. He said, this is going to be my last season. All the players have bought in and they're playing hard for him. There's a real emotional edge for this Hokies team because of that. They just had their last game at home last week against Pitt. Uh, it was his last game in, in in Blacksburg and you could tell it meant a big deal. Uh, they interviewed him after the game. It was rainy. They they pitched a shutout against Pitt so the defense really playing inspired and now you look at... I mean, they've had, they had strong performances against Notre Dame and Wake Forest and now two consecutive shutouts. They shut out Georgia Tech and then Pitt. The defense is playing their best at just the right moment. Uh it's the right moment because if they end their season with a fourth win in the row over rival Virginia, they go to the ACC championship game against Clemson, but don't forget about the Cavaliers either. They too are in the championship. If they win the game, uh, how cool to have two in-state rivals decide a division. You you don't see that very often, especially with these two teams. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So these teams, they're very similar statistically. When you look at the season numbers, they both are scoring right around 30 points per game. and They're both surrendering 22 points per game. Uh, the Cavaliers being at home, and I think they do have a slight coaching advantage in favor of Bronco Mendenhall over Justin Fuente, in my estimation at least, you might think the side to be on here is Virginia. But I think this line is indicative, because I, I think that, you know, it's a, it's indicative of Virginia Tech turning things around the last month. Because if this game was played in October, I think Virginia would be a three-point favorite at home. But with how well the Hokies are playing right now, they're riding a wave of momentum, and I'm going to hop on the, on the wave and ride it with them. I think Virginia Tech adds to the already lopsided 15-game win streak the Hokies have in this rivalry. I think they represent the Coastal and the ACC next week and actually make it tough for Clemson. So I'm taking the Hokies here. By the way, one last thing I want to throw in. Virginia is 5-5 five and five and one push against the spread this year. Virginia Tech only 6-5 and five against the spread, but they started the year 1-5 and five against the spread. They've now won 5 straight against the spread. So I'm taking the Hokies. Tyler. want
0: to bet? What? Would you like yeah. to bet on it? Uh, bet I knew it. Let's chalk it up, add it up to our ninth game of the year. I'm going to take Virginia here. Now, this is clearly two teams who are going in different directions the last couple of weeks. And if you just take a magnifying glass and look at November and the last part of October and the buy, how, how these teams played off the bye week and the defense then you may, as you are, and a lot of people out there are going to be on Virginia Tech this weekend. I think the majority of people are going to be on Tech. But I think if you look at a season total, Virginia is a clearly better defense here, and that's what's going to matter. Virginia's defense is allowing 120 rushing yards a game. That's where Virginia Tech makes their money on offense. 175 on the ground. They're going to throw for just over 200 yards a game, Virginia Tech is. This is not a team who scares anybody with the passing game. I think Virginia Tech does what they do best, keep the ball on the ground. I just don't think it works, and I do believe both teams run some clock here. I think it may be a bit of a lower-scoring game, even though both offenses will succeed. And here's the thing. When you're talking about both offenses doing well in a game, usually you want to play an over, right? But I think because the style of both teams, the that I would stay off the over under, but I could see a lower scoring game it's shading towards the under. Virginia Tech's defense. when you compare it to Virginia excuse me, Virginia's defense, when you compare it to Virginia Tech's offense lead in terms of head to head, how they've matched up this year in all of these stats. Total score, passing yards a game, rushing yards per game, time on the field, number of plays, and yards per play. Virginia's defense is better than the Hokies' offense in all of those stats. I think we see a hungry team at home, and Will, if Virginia Tech had motivation like you said, you think that the Hokies have a motivational edge here, my handicap wouldn't have the merit that it does now. But that 15-game win streak that you mentioned, or 15-game losing streak depending on how you look at it, from Virginia's side, they want to end that. They finally get a coach in there who's giving this team the confidence to win games like this, the confidence to go out there and be a real football team that people fear. I think Virginia gets the win despite having three points. I'll take the three points at home. Virginia Cavaliers, at home, biggest game in the last decade for this for this team. If not, I mean, when's the last time Virginia played this big of a football game? This right. may be the biggest game ever for Virginia Cavaliers. Give me the better team statistically with the better coach at home, Rivalry Week, where weird stuff happens, I'll take the Cavs.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned that you didn't think they have a passing attack, and you're right, that's not how they how they, you know, butter their bread, so to speak. But since Hendon Hooker's taken over, the guy's completing 60, more than 60% of his throws. He's got 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, you look at his his game logs, you're right. The, the most passes he's thrown was, you know, he threw 23 passes against Wake Forest, 27 against Rhode Island. So you're right, he's not asked to do that. It's going to be a running game. I just still, to me, this, Virginia Tech actually feels a lot like Michigan to me. They feel like a much different team now than where they were earlier in the year. I know you've accounted for all that. But to me, I just think that, momentum is going to play a lot in this one. I think Virginia Tech is more confident facing a Virginia team than the other way around. And so, bet board, I love it. You know what I love about this? Tyler's 7-1 on the bet board in the eight games we've had all year. Yes. And at this point, I can only win, because if you're 8-1, big deal. You're already crushing me. <laughs> exactly. I, now maybe I can crawl, claw, claw out of there. Let me give my last rebuttal okay. here,
0: and then we'll leave, uh, leave the game to decide this one. But Will, I just disagree with the whole teams in different directions. If this were a normal game, that's valid, 100%. But in rivalry games, I throw that out the window. You can have an 0-10 team. Playing a 10-0 team in rivalry week, both teams are up, so it's max motivation. What's happening the last four weeks doesn't matter for rivalry games. I approach rivalry week a little bit different for handicapping. So... What you said, I actually, from a handicapping point of view, really do agree with. I just don't think it's applicable for this game. But okay, fair let's enough. Let's let them
1: figure it out in between the lines. All right, we're going to add that to the bet board. Let me make a note here so we don't forget that. And then after next <laughs> week, you know, we, we did a mid-season totaling of the uh, record, so let's do that again after next week and let's find out where it. we're at. Um, next game on the board here, Wisconsin, More oh, rivalry week. All these are going to be rivalry games. Wisconsin goes on the road to Minneapolis at Minnesota the Badgers two and a half point favorites right now at Minnesota game day is going to be there by the way once again rain and snow so we're we're in Denver we got the blizzard right now it just we got hit last night and today we're in the Rockies (laughs) the snow has been coming down by the time Saturday comes around all that will have moved east it's going to hit a lot of these games so we're expecting near freezing temps rain and snow take that into account for this game Minnesota, by the way, 6-4-1 and one against the spread. Wisconsin, 6-5 and five against the spread. Very similar here. So the current record... I, I, I saw this when I was looking at this game. The current record in this rivalry between these two teams, they both have 60 wins and 8 ties. That is dead even. Really? So whoever wins this game will be better this year and better this overall in the a, series. This is such a lower-profile rivalry game, though. That's I'm, a lot of games, though. In fact, I think... I could be wrong. I think Wisconsin and Minnesota might be the the most played rivalry in all of college football. You're talking about well, a, those almost are 130 two games.
0: teams in, the, in a conference that have stayed together. You yeah, have for that, sure, you know. the
1: old school stuff. So uh, last year's win for Minnesota was the first against the Badgers since 2003. Take that into account. So the Gophers they they got back on track last week after they had their first loss of the season against Iowa two weeks ago. So they beat you know a bad record but a feisty Northwestern team on the road last week. So they set up this another rivalry game that's going to decide a conference division winner in this matchup. Uh, The winner of this team is going to represent the Big Ten West and play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. And this is just like what I said with the last game. Another game where these two teams are very similar to me. They both rank in the top 30 in both points per game offensively and points against defensively. They both have a big win versus one of the top three teams from the Big Ten East. Wisconsin beat Michigan, of course. Minnesota beat Penn State. The only difference I see here, Wisconsin played Ohio State, they got obliterated, and their other loss to Illinois is much worse than Minnesota's only loss to Iowa. Now, for Wisconsin, the biggest thing for them is turnovers. If the Badgers hadn't turned the ball over three times against Illinois, they'd be a one-loss team, and they people would still be talking about them and saying, hey, they could make the playoffs if they could just get revenge against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. But no, the turnovers cost them there. Ohio State, when they played Wisconsin, was able to run – for more than 250 yards in the Badgers' defense. But otherwise, their defense has held up very well against the run and the pass. It's been a very stingy defense. So can the Golden Gophers limit Jonathan Taylor and try to force Jack Cohn into predictable passing situations and force some interceptions? The Gophers' defense has been stellar, both against the run and the pass, just like like Wisconsin. So these teams are just mirror images of each other. But I think the main difference is... Their second, I think Minnesota's secondary is a little bit more talented, and I, I think their quarterback Tanner Morgan is far superior to Jack Cohn, and his weapons on the perimeter Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman they're better than what the Badgers offer which is really just Quintez Cephas I think this game will be very close I think it's going to be low scoring, so I'm going with the home team, getting the points, and after seeing what Minnesota did at home against Penn State when they had, it was kind of the big game of the week, it was a primetime game uh, this being the first time game day has been to Minneapolis in a long in a long time to me this just seems like the environment for PJ Fleck to shine Uh, Badgers have they covered five of their first six games since then just one and four against the spread row the boat go Gophers want to bet oh yes. would you like to bet on it
0: Gonna I knew have, you were going to have, have some. Have I know we are. Yeah, I'm going to Wisconsin. I think I'm just getting the better team. And I think a lot of people are overreacting at how good Minnesota is because of that big win in the middle of the season. And I, thought, I picked Minnesota that game. I thought that they were going to win that game, but they peaked at that point. They hadn't played a lot of teams before that, and I think they get exposed this weekend. Look, you mentioned it wisconsin's defense is not just good this team's elite and no one talks about how good wisconsin is because they're not flashy everyone's really used to this whole old wisconsin story of a really good team who doesn't win the big games but this year and those stats i talked about earlier i like to go down to total score pass yards rush yards time on the field number of plays and yards per play especially the last one yards per play wisconsin will is top 10 in the country in every single one of those stats. Their defense is number one in the country. Number of plays, number two in the country. That's just not because their defense. Now, the defense is elite. They've been showing up all year. It's also because of the offense. And I think Minnesota's defense, although they've been good this season, top 30 team in terms of rushing yards, they're going to be overwhelmed with Wisconsin's offensive line. This will be by far the highest rated, best offensive line Minnesota's seen all season. And I truly believe Wisconsin approaches this as a Not And you know what? I actually want to leave that out because, as I said earlier, motivation won't play a huge part in any of these games. So I'm not going to say, oh, Wisconsin's going to show up, blah, blah, blah. Both teams are going to be hungry for this game. Sure. But I think think it doesn't matter because Wisconsin has a more talented front, both offensively and defensively, but focusing on the offensive line. I think they control the clock. I think they control the flow of the game. And I think they beat Minnesota pretty good here.
1: Give me Wisconsin. What's the line? Uh as of last night it was with badgers by two and a half yeah i have two and a half on the road well, so so and the over under 48 i i kind of like the under there too we're talking about it being very cold now both teams obviously comfortable playing in the cold they're both you know up in the uh the far north Winterfell for all you game of thrones fans tyler wouldn't understand that because he doesn't watch good television or movies mm. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i mean look they're very similar and you're right the badgers defense is great but what I saw against Ohio State, and I'm not trying to put Minnesota on the same level as Ohio State because they're not. Kind of sounds but like you are, Will. What Minnesota or what uh, Wisconsin's weakness is on defense is elite guys can break off big plays. And I think that you have that. I think that Tanner Morgan is going to be the X factor in this game. I think that he can have a big game. I think that PJ Fleck will have a good game plan to make plays for the receivers there. Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, I mentioned them. Both those guys, NFL caliber receivers. I think that they'll be able to make enough big plays there to, to for Minnesota to probably win this game, let alone you're giving me two and a half points at home. So I love it. Another bet board game for us. That makes two this week. Gosh, this could go really good or really bad for <laughs> me with uh, with this many. I think we're going to have some more. So uh, Next up, next game. Sounds like we're going to have a bet board game for this one too. Uh-oh. Uh, the Alabama. Iron Bowl. <laughs> Alabama goes on the road to Auburn. They're three and a half point favorites. That's still uh three and a half, Tyler. It was three and a half last night. Uh game total of fifty here. So uh Bama, they are six and five against the spread. They have covered three of their last four, by the way. Auburn, one of the better teams against the spread all year. They're eight and three against the spread. They started five and zero. Oh. Now I know Tua is hurt, but his backup, Mac Jones, he's solid. He's solid enough. And don't forget about Tua's younger brother, who we mentioned earlier, by the way, the other Tagovailoa, Taulia, whatever Tally. 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 <laughs> That's what he'll always be to us. Uh, he came in through a touchdown last week. Look, this this Bama team, it's leaps and bounds ahead of Auburn. The lowest score they've put up all year long is 35 points against Tennessee, and that was when Tua got hurt the first time, and he missed most of the game. Even without Tua, they're going to score. Spread is four. Th- four. Okay, so that line moved. Alabama minus four. I still like. I still like Alabama here. Uh, with without Tua, even without Tua, they're going to score 30. And we're talking about an uh, Auburn team that couldn't score. 21 points or more against Florida, LSU, Ole Miss, or or Georgia. 20 points or less in all four of those games for the Auburn offense. I don't see any way the Tigers can score here, even at home. And now with Oregon losing, I'm telling you, Alabama still has a real shot to make the playoff, and I promise you, Nick Saban and the Tide players they know this. They know they still have a chance so it's not like they're not going to be motivated because two is out. They know they can still win this game they know their backup is more than capable this is my best bet of the week Oh! Bama by wow. four points is too damn easy wow. Bama has won four of the last f- uh, five games against Auburn and all four of those wins has been by 16 points or more. Roll Tide Tyler here. Bet board. Bring it on I want to you hear your bet?
0: What? Would you like to bet on it? This, to me, comes down to Auburn's defense against Alabama's offense, and I also like the under in this game. I think Alabama struggles to move the football, has a very long day. I'm not sure how much Bo Nix and this Auburn offense can do, but I'll get back to them in a second. I just think Auburn's offense gets stifled. This backup gets exposed. Look, who was Beat it? You Ge- in Alabama's
1: offense, right? Thank
0: you. Uh, Georgia Southern and then Arkansas, I believe, with the two teams Alabama's beaten. Am I correct there? What? W- with this backup?
1: Uh no it was it was Western Carolina and uh, Mississippi State yeah yes. yes yes okay both
0: bad teams two bad defenses two bottom hundred defenses in many statistics in the country okay Alabama's offense is overall very very good but you need an elite quarterback to lead against an Auburn team and I believe there's gonna be pressure they're gonna be in his face they're gonna confuse what's this backup's name for Alabama Mac Jones they're gonna confuse Mac Jones. Uh, a lot of pressure on the outside, a lot of pressure up the middle, stunts on the defensive line. A lot, they're going to show, you know, eight people on the front, drop six of them back to coverage. There's going to be so many things Gus Malzahn and his staff are putting together to confuse Alabama's offense. That's what the game comes down to for me. Alabama's offense versus Auburn's defense. I will take the Tigers' defense to have a massive advantage, okay? Here's the other thing. when you flip the side, When you flip the ball, Alabama statistically has had one of the worst years linebacker-wise in a long time. Not getting to the outsides, not covering the field side to side. The most receptions ever allowed, or the most receptions allowed under Nick Saban at Alabama for linebackers against slot backs, H backs, running backs. And I think that's where Auburn exposes them. Auburn is one of the better teams getting the ball to the running backs and tight ends, too. No one ever talks about Auburn using the tight ends. They're one of the better teams in the SEC going up the middle. And so to me, it's more of an X's and O's when Auburn's on the field. And I know I mentioned earlier, motivation doesn't play a huge part, really much of a part at all in these handicaps for me, but I do want to note, and I do think it's important, that Bo Nix, the quarterback of Auburn, grew up an Auburn fan. And I think we can both agree, if we ever had the privilege to play for you, University of Michigan, me, University of Colorado growing up, right, if things went completely different... It would mean everything. It means something different. And I know that everyone approaches rivalry games. All these kids approach rivalry games the same, and it means so much, and you want to win, and you get the trophies and the bragging rights. And a lot of these games are, frankly, for more. You go on to championships or so on and so forth. But I really, really, really believe that Bo Nix, hating Alabama his, his entire life, growing up as a kid, there, there, there's pictures of him at the Cam Newton championship game. He's just grown up hating Alabama. And, and, and kind of a sociological twist here. If Bo Nix is a senior, I don't think it's as big of a deal. I think he has time to grow into this rivalry. It kind of maybe dilutes through the years. Because he's a freshman, it means so much more. I think that's an upgrade for Auburn's offense. You put it all together, give me Auburn plus the four points at home
1: in the Iron Bowl. Let's go Tigers. All right, uh, freshman quarterback. Being a positive against Alabama. You heard it here first, folks. Sounds weird, doesn't it? Tyler Walgie likes the freshman against Alabama. But,
0: Will, come on. He doesn't look like a freshman. You're right. 2019 is a different season. I'm excited. Let's talk for two seconds about Colorado University, my team. I'm excited because next year we have a freshman coming in. How, how, 10 years ago, no one's ever saying we got a freshman coming in next year. We're really stoked on this. Usually not even playing. Exactly. Now it's the era where you expect them to come in and look good. And I've lost. Enough money on Bo Nix this year. So I don't know if the whole he's a freshman. But you know what, Will? The Iron Bull's a big deal. It's Very the, big it's, deal. It's the biggest what, I mean, game of the year. And you yeah. don't know how anyone's going to respond, fan or not. But I, I would give it an upgrade. That's that's what handicapping is, is sometimes trying to answer these unanswerable questions. Because, I mean, being honest, if if we knew, let's say we knew Bo Nix, okay? And could talk to him, either get him on the show or text him in private. I guarantee he's going to say, yep, I'm ready to go, so on and so forth. He thinks he's ready to go. I'm sure he does. Should we slide into his DMs and find out? <laughs> Let's do it. But it may change when he walks on the field. But I do think that because he grew up a fan, I know what it's like to be a fan And he's in the middle of SEC country where it matters more. Give me Auburn here, man. Let's go, Tigers. Okay. Well, keeping Let's go, with Gus. The, uh, Come
1: on, Gus. Three bet board games. This I is more than we've ever had. in yes, one. is. I'm not even sure if we've had two in a week before. So uh next up this is what's the name for this so we got Oklahoma Oklahoma State this one has a name Bedlam I Bedlam yeah, oh, I'm so stupid it was the uh, name of a
0: podcast I, I did know. last year
1: <laughs> I know I, I don't know why that slipped my mind so the Bedlam game Oklahoma they go on the road to Stillwater, Stinkwater, stink water as some Sooner fans would call it uh they are 13 point favorites on the road right now Oklahoma State eight and three by the way they're five and three in conference uh, starting quarterback and wide receiver from the beginning of the year, early in the season, Spencer Sanders and Tylan Wallace, both out. Both those guys are studs. That's a big thing here. Backup quarterback for the Cowboys, Drew Brown. He played well in his first start against West Virginia last week, but he'll need to play at a higher level if the Cowboys want to take down the Sooners because you can expect Oklahoma and Alex Grinch and the defensive staff to game plan around stopping Chuba Hubbard. That's that's kind of the last big the last big name that Oklahoma State has left on offense, I think Oklahoma's going to assume that if they can stop Chuba Hubbard and force Drew Brown to beat them through the air, that's what they want to do. Now, on the other side, the Sooners, they've been lucky to win their last three games, all of which were won by four points or less. They really could have lost all three of them. Their offense has slowed a bit uh, over the last five games, and oddly enough, the Oklahoma State defense has kind of looked solid. It was one of the worst defenses earlier in the year. Kind of looked solid over the last month. They held... Iowa State and TCU to 27 points each. That's not terrible. Then they followed those games up. They allowed just 13 points to Kansas and then 13 points again to West Virginia two weeks in a row. Oklahoma is certainly a different animal offensively than those teams, but it's still a sign of improvement. Now, Oklahoma, they have won 14 of the last 16 games between these two straight up, and only five of those wins have been by one score or less. However, Oklahoma State... They're 9-2 against the spread this year. One of the best teams against the spread all year. The Sooners 4-7 against the spread, including 0-4 in their last four games. 1-6 in their last seven. That's not a good trend. But even still, I think this is where the Sooners bounce back and then I think they don't play terrible. I think they know that they got really lucky to, get it to be 3-0 in their last three games. I think they blow out Oklahoma State here. All the stats are kind of telling me that Oklahoma State should cover here, and that's why I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go against the grain. I think the Sooners can actually uh, get a big win here. I think Jalen Hurts has a huge day. I'm taking the Sooners.
0: want to bet? What? <laughs> Would you like to bet on it?
1: Four games. That makes four this oh week. My gosh. I am taking the Sooners, plus the thir-
0: or excuse me, the Cowboys, plus the 13 points. And this actually, to me, comes down to Oklahoma State's defense against OU's offense. And as I said earlier, I think the blueprint is out. This is how you stop Oklahoma defensively. Uh, the, the the Cowboys too. If you go back and look, the Cowboys have done pretty well st- statistically against Oklahoma. Even when Oklahoma scores points against the Cowboys, they don't really get that many yards. So the familiarity he the familiarity here between both these teams. I really like the Cowboys, and I think it's being made too much of. Spencer Sanders and Tyler Wallace being out. Those are huge names and they're very productive names. But I believe Mike Gundy has a plug and play system and he does a great job recruiting guys to fit that system. I think he also uses Mike Gundy, I'd say, is a top five coach in terms of motivation in the country. So if there's one coach who can get his team to feel like they can win a game like this, even with a backup quarterback, it is Mike Gundy. As you said, 9-2 against the spread. What does that mean? What does that say? That says that Oklahoma State has consistently been outperforming expectations and the market's not catching up. Clearly, they're not getting sharp money. They're not getting square money. No one's really betting on Oklahoma State this year and they're 9-2 against the spread. That's how you get records like that. The market doesn't need to adjust because they're not losing too much money on one team. I think, though, this week a lot of people... I'm not sure where the majority of people are going to be looking this week. Where do yeah, you think? Where do you think the 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 square money is going to come in? I
1: think. I mean, most average fans will note that Oklahoma has been really struggling, uh, but maybe they just don't know how good. I, I think it'll probably be split right down but, the middle. But that's honestly not a huge part of my handicap because,
0: like I said earlier, it doesn't matter to me how you've been performing the last couple of weeks. It is rivalry week. Everything goes out the window this one week. And so I'm going to take the Cowboys' defense to show up maybe in the first half and keep it closer, allow the Cowboys to get that lead. Oklahoma is probably going to win this game, but 13 points is far too many. They're playing at Boone Pickens Stadium. You ever been to Boone Pickens? T. Boone Pickens? No, I haven't. It looks cool, though. Yeah, it's on my yeah, list. Yeah, very cool stadium. Um, I think the fans show up. I, it, this is a huge game for Oklahoma State. And even though they're eight and three, they have a chance. That the, the The bowl games, when you look at the projections between nine and three and eight and four, that's kind of the line, the demarcation line between very good potential bowl games near uh, New Year's or the bowl games that kind of fall back. So we Oklahoma State bowl. still does have a lot to play for this game. I'll go Cowboys plus thirteen. Their defense shows up, surprises some people, but their offense as well with with a backup at uh, at quarterback, backups on the outside. I think Chuba Hubbard has a nice day. They find a way to move the football. We'll take the Pokes plus thirteen. All right, that's four for four on bet board <laughs> yes, games here. It is. Gosh, <laughs> this is
1: going to be a big one next week. Uh, last game, it's the game they call it that one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports. Uh, are you know that and Iron Bowl probably the two biggest college football rivalries anywhere. Uh, and Ohio State here, nine point favorite on the road at Michigan. You know what they say about this game?
0: What's a big deal? It's only a game. It's not just a game.
1: It's a war. <laughs> it is a war. Little fun history lesson for you guys. Uh, the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan is not just the schools. It's the states. People in Ohio tend to not really uh, care for the state of Michigan. Why one is of their that? sayings is, I'll tell you, one of their favorite sayings is, uh, Woody Woody Hayes, uh, you know, legend head coach at Ohio State, used to say, I don't give a damn for the whole state of Michigan. Uh, the reason why is they fought. This was in the 19th century. They nearly... Uh, actually went to war with their militias over the Toledo Strip. It's a thin strip in North... Uh, the Toledo Strip Club? I've been there. <laughs> Just the Toledo Strip. Oh. Thin strip where, obviously, Toledo is. It's in the northwest uh, corner of Ohio, right on the border with Michigan. And uh, the president, uh, uh, I can't remember who at the time, uh, he actually had to send the uh, United States military to keep any conflict from happening. Wow. And uh, Ohio was able was you know allowed to keep the Toledo Strip. And in return, Michigan got the Upper Peninsula. So that's kind of how that worked out. So The more you know. Exactly. The (laughs) more you know. A lot of bad blood between these two states. So Buckeyes, nine-point favorite here on the road. They're going to Ann Arbor. Once again, cold temperatures, snow and rain predicted as of now. So I think, look, this game is near and dear to my heart, obviously. I think there's two ways to look at this game. You can look through the lens of straight-up matchup and through the lens of the rivalry. Ohio State... They may have uh, had their moments last week against Penn State where they looked beatable, but if not for those three fumbles between Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins, a couple of which very fluky, I think Ohio State might have won that game 45-7. to Penn State couldn't even score until Sean Clifford got knocked out of the game, and it looked like Ohio State just simply hadn't game planned for their backup. Uh, I know it's easy to look at any game and say, if they don't fumble it here or if they don't fuck up that one play there, things can be so different, but I really think you can apply that here, and I'll tell you why. This rivalry game is one of the best in all of sports. You can debate whether the Iron Bowl is bigger or the Michigan-Ohio State game is bigger. It doesn't matter. All you need to know is that this really is the biggest game for these teams every single year, regardless of record. If you think that just because Ohio State already locked up the division and their spot in the Big Ten Championship game, that they won't be a 1,000% invested in this game, you're an idiot. What I've learned over the years in this rivalry is that it doesn't matter if Ohio State looks vulnerable against other teams, because those are other teams. You're always going to get Ohio State at their best in this game. They've won seven straight, and the year before, they, uh, before Michigan won their last game, they won seven in a row before that, too. So they've completely dominated this rivalry, but yet they still don't ever fall asleep in this one. Michigan's not ever going to catch Ohio State on an off game, or at least they never did under Urban Meyer. And I don't have any reason to believe they will under Ryan Day at the moment. Uh, Look, there's a lot of reasons why Michigan can cover here and even win. Honestly, there's a chance. They're playing their absolute best right now. They're peaking at the right time. They're at home where Michigan plays way better at home under Harbaugh. All the stats uh, show it, that they're a much better team at home than on the road. Shea Patterson, he's been on fire. He threw five touchdowns last week. He had four the week before that. They quit fumbling the ball at an insane rate like they had been over the first half of the year. The defense has improved greatly since the Wisconsin game. With the cold weather, possible rain or snow, I think that bodes well for Michigan. And you got to think about Don Brown too. He's had this game in his uh, in his head every day since they gave up 62 last year to Ohio State. That's the worst game of his whole career. He's a very uh, renowned defensive coordinator. So I do expect him to have a better game plan here to slow down Justin Fields, who by the way might be a little dinged up. His left hand uh, might g- got hurt somehow might have helped him fumble the ball twice last week his left ankle got a little twisted up at the end of the Penn State game so there is that but once again this game means so much to both of these teams and I think we will see the best out of both these teams on Saturday and unfortunately the best for Ohio State is too good for Michigan I really hope I'm wrong nothing would make me happier than for Michigan to win this game I really you know I want them to but I think Ohio State is going to win by 14 or more here uh I'm taking Ohio State against the spread but still fuck Ohio State go blue Last game of the year, Brent. Can't hold anything back now.
0: Uh, Let's see if I can coax a bet out of you here. Because I don't like a standard bet, but I don't want to duck, dive, dip, dive, dodge any bets here. Would you be down to take a first-half bet against me? Because I don't necessarily like Michigan for the game, but I like Michigan first half. I believe Michigan comes out with enough motivation, enough... Fire the defense shows up, shut shuts down Ohio State in the first half. Maybe gets a turnover or two, and and really starts with a bang. I could see Michigan ending the first quarter with a lead. But throughout the course of 60 minutes, I'm not as confident about uh, Michigan keeping that. I think Ohio State's too good throughout the course of an entire game. But I really believe that at home, with a lot of motivation, these guys on the team are well aware of Jim Harbaugh's record against Ohio State. They want the win as well. Let's not forget, since Jim Harbaugh's been losing, all these kids have been losing too. They want to beat Ohio State. I like Michigan, plus four and a
1: half in the first half. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. It's a I don't good, know if It's I, a decent approach. It is like? a decent approach because uh, look, they in those two years, uh, last year Michigan was only down nine and a half, they ended up losing by like twenty two or something like that. The two years before that, Michigan was leading half both those games. So I think I think you're probably smart to say that. I don't know that I'm willing to take a bet against that. The thing that the thing that uh, that should worry you the most, I'd say, if you are trying to take Michigan first half is Chase Young. Everyone's talking about him, but it's not just him. It's the whole defensive line. But I guarantee you... Agreed, but but I have a quick counter
0: for that. Yeah, I believe that Michigan comes out with some tricks up their sleeve. I think that Michigan comes out with maybe a completely different look offensively altogether. And it may take the halftime adjustments for Ryan Day and his staff to be able to... Use their get it going. T- exactly yeah. so uh, so I think that it's not just the first half and every and and, and and I know that Ohio State has the guys especially in the defensive line I think it's also the scheme that Michigan comes in with a few different things so that allows them to kind of have that advantage in the first half.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're asking me to bet. I'm asking I, you to I, bet. I, it. I, get. You're yes, me, I am. you are asking me to bet <laughs> Ohio State against Michigan twice, and that just hurts my heart too much to do that. I'm just not once. Do I don't
0: it. want to take the minus nine. I don't want to take the full game bet. I just want no, the first half. No, I'm not willing to all add right, to your bet board. Right, lead, all but all
1: look. Right. I'm really interested to see how Chase Young does because Michigan's offensive line has been very good this year. They have a fifth-year senior at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. His his dad, obviously, John Runyon, he was an all-pro offensive lineman in the NFL for a long time for the Raiders. He's been solid, and I think he'll be able to handle his own against Chase Young. Now, what that means is probably Chase Young will only get one sack or one-and-a-half sacks against him. That's how good Chase Young is. But the right tackle where they move Chase Young around from side to side the right tackle is a redshirt freshman. His name is Jalen Mayfield. And he has done very well for a redshirt freshman this year. He's played very solid. But he's going to have his hands full against Chase Young. I know they're going to match him up there. I'm interested to see what Michigan does to try to take him out of the game. Whether it be you make him the read guy in the read option game to make him commit and try to keep him out of the game. Will they double team him, which still might not even work? You're right. I I, I hope you're right about Michigan having some trick plays and doing some trick things. I'm tired. The last few years, Michigan would bust out these great trick plays that no one had seen and score touchdowns when they played Maryland or Rutgers and then of course have nothing against Ohio State. I'm I really hope if Michigan's gonna have a if Michigan has a chance to win this game, they're gonna have to do it. They're gonna have to have tricks up their sleeve. Shea Patterson is going to have to have the game of his life. That defense is going to have to play out of their mind. All that is possible, it's just not very likely. So I'm not willing to pick Michigan here as much as it hurts my heart to say, believe me, I took them last year and it ripped my heart out. Uh, you know, I'm just tired of Ohio State winning this game. It's and <laughs> I hate, too, that it, the game is the, the noon kick, you know, it's the nah, early no. game, <laughs> yeah. because then it sets the tone for the whole rest of my day. It'll be hard for me to enjoy <laughs> Alabama-Auburn or any of these other rivalry games if Michigan loses again. So, uh, you know, go Blue. I really hope they win, but if I'm – i betting my money on it. I'm still taking the Buckeyes here. Good stuff, man. Can I uh, tell a dirty joke? Of it, course. It's actually... Well, it may be kind of... As long as it's not the Herman and Berman joke. No, you it's not the Herman it,
0: it may be crossing the line a little bit, though. It may be distasteful. Well, can we can, can always it? bleep
1: it out. Tell it.
0: Yeah, you're right. We can... Tell it. I like if, distasteful if jokes. You know me. Who who was Chase Young named after? Chase Young. <laughs> I
1: really hope you're not going where I think you Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, boy. But okay. I'm- Topical humor, you like that? Totally get it. Definitely a hundred percent killed himself, right, guys? <laughs> get it? Chase Young, I get it. No, yeah, okay. I, I totally understood. I don't the know joke. if I should elaborate yeah. on here. Yeah, there you go. Didn't kill himself, anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you guys, there's read no way that you dude want. killed himself. There's yeah. absolutely no hey, way. Hey, you know me. I'm, I'm a fan of conspiracy theories. That one's right there at the top of the list. So. Do you think the Earth is round? Yeah. Do you I'm think not, we've ever been I, to the moon? I like conspiracy theories. I'm not stupid. Do you think we've been to the moon? Uh, I think we have yes. Okay, uh, that go. one at least you could maybe convince me if you you know got a couple those drinks are the two in biggies. me. If, those are the two biggies. If you're Colorado good with those, if you're me.
0: if you're not with those, then you're fine.
1: Look, I I can sympathize a lot more with people saying they fake the moon landing than saying the Earth is flat because that's just stupid. Uh, well, well, m- math uh, easily uh, you know fixes that problem. No, you totally.
0: Wanna, we've been to the moon. There's there's proof we've been to the moon. Is the you know the the footage about the moon landings that that honestly could be faked. Because what, what a theory is that I've heard a lot. I actually heard it for the first time on the Joe Rogan podcast a year or two the ago. The radiation belt? Is that what you're going to talk no, 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 about? No, no, no. That, that it's very plausible that what happened is they went to space and maybe the, the footage got fucked up because right, of the radiation that's oh, what I was oh, saying oh, okay, yeah. and it, and
1: it messes up the film yeah
0: and because they didn't have film the, there was a space race and it was very intense between America and Russia so on and so forth and the, America knew they went to the moon and came back they just didn't have any proof so, right. they, so they then so faked, they faked the footage it. in a studio that could be
1: very possible but the Gosh. idea that they never went to the moon is we should do a conspiracy pod because I love this stuff yeah, you're right <laughs> so, no, I think they yeah, right. went there and the earth is definitely round and Jeffrey Epstein definitely did not kill himself absolutely so. not I'm with you there. That's all we got for the games (laughs) this week, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at CFB Weekly. We'll update the bed board next week, see how we're doing. Enjoy Rivalry Week, guys. We'll see you next week.